Hey y'all, and welcome to Sunny D, the ponderings of a black, polyamorous, pansexual polymath. That would be me, D-Ray. I talk about relationships, relationshipping, tea, intersectionality, and a whole lot of other shit. Let's get on with the show in our different segments. And today on What's the Tea? The tea that I'm drinking today is a golden Yunnan black tea from Bear Leaves Tea. Um, I'm unsure if this is how you pronounce the tea because, you know, I don't, I'm not the greatest at pronunciation. We covered this in like one of the first episodes. Um, but this tea is called a Yunnan, golden, golden Yunnan black because it comes from the high regions of the Yunnan province in China and its leaves have these little golden brown tips. So the golden Yunnan black, black tea, makes sense, right? Um, it's one of my favorite like regular black tea to drink because it's like sweet. <laughs> I mean, for those of y'all who like sweet things, it is probably not sweet. But for me, who likes bitter things and not so sweet things, it has like this slight honey flavor. It's like if you put like maybe two or three drops of honey into a cup, that's what it feels like to me. It's also very like, hmm, I don't want to say musky, but like earthy. It has like better than grassy notes because I, I do like grassy notes. They, that happens sometimes in um green teas um i do like the grassy notes but this has like it's like a mix between grassy and pine notes in it what would that be hmm i don't know but i like it it's very satisfying for me it's definitely a tea that you can tell is a you know hearty black tea um like i said it's slightly sweet this will be really really good as an iced tea oh shit i've never tried this one as an iced tea and i think i'm going to try that um, without putting any sugar in it because it tastes like how non-southern people would think sweet tea is <laughs> y'all know what the fuck I'm talking about and I've also realized that the last few episodes for my what's the tea I haven't given y'all any tea tea like I've given my tea reviews but I haven't ranted about anything and I haven't raved about anything um and that's very interesting to me. I think that I've been in a period of self-reflection. So I haven't really had anything to rant or rave about because I've been just keeping some things to myself. But today, today, I have something to rave about and slightly rant about. It's the rant is not a real rant. It's a funny rant. So basically, I'm in this Star Trek group. It's great. And... um two things happened in it today. One is that I posted about needing a Ferengi prosthetic for some sexy shit that I'm going to be doing later this year. And within like an hour, I got a link in proof of a person's work for the Ferengi's prosthetics, like specifically, not just any kind of prosthetics, but they have done Ferengi ones in the past and it was very, very affordable. So I immediately sent them money. And now I'm going to have 
Ferengi head, ears, and nose prosthetics for some sexy shit. Yes, and I am excited. So that is a rave. And also a rave is this group is great in general. I love it. They always be kicking out the um, problematic people and shit. Um, Somebody in the group, a black woman, recently posted about how she just discovered Discovery. (laughs) Ha ha ha. And that, you know, she's like, I can't believe that I wasn't watching this before. And But I do have to say that they did Michael wrong with these wigs. Now, this is something I have ranted about before, maybe not on the podcast, but like in general. Because just in general, the way that they treat black women's wigs is something. And then the way that they treat natural black women's wig I just don't understand if you have so much money why these wigs be looking like that and Michael Burnham's wigs the braided ones the natural ones the short like they just don't be hitting it for me the funny part about this is is that y'all when Star Trek when white Star Trek fans hear this they don't go up in arms, but they just be like, oh, no, they didn't look that bad to me. Um, somebody said that, well, I think the short hair is her actual hair. And I don't know, y'all. I, it's just, it's always amusing to me because this happens in my own personal life when white folks just don't know, like, maybe it's that it's either that they don't know or they just don't want to say anything and they just only want to say good things. But when they don't recognize whenever black hair is jacked up, it's always funny to me. Like sometimes I will be doing my hair and it'll be halfway done, literally halfway done. And the rest of it is tangled, matted, whatever. And my white partners will look at me and be like, oh, your hair looks cute today. And I'm just like, no, the fucking no. But thank you for thinking I look cute regardless. And I know that you really do not understand why it don't look good. And I'm not going to explain it. I'm just going to say, thank you, baby. I'm not finished and keep it moving. And that shit is funny to me. And with that, I'm actually going to transition straight to the episode. Because that right there is what this episode is about. Now, you know, I think it is a rite of passage for any relationship podcast to do an episode about communication. And this is my episode about communication, except, except it's going to be a little different. It's going to be less about effective communication and more about how to reconcile differing communication methods. That is... We're going to talk about comprehension. Yeah, because communication means nothing if there's no comprehension. Right? Y'all have to agree with me because you can communicate all day long. And if they don't understand what you're saying or they don't, you know, fully get the gist of it, then they then 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 there is something missing there. It is lost in translation. And the thing about this is, is that a lot of times you don't even know that you don't understand something. So you don't ask. You don't say, I don't understand what you're saying. You think that you understand. And that's what this episode is about. I like to think about this. I think I might have mentioned this on a previous podcast episode because I'm having a big sense of deja vu right now. But I always think about this book that I read. 
and I can't remember everything that the like the main point of the book or anything like that but I do remember this little segment in the book um, and it was talking about how colonizers were in this country and the native language did not have a word for thank you and so the closest thing that they could think of was this word which in the native tongue meant um, I give my life to you and so it caused a lot of confusion. It was very, very bad when you were told, to, like they were teaching the children to say please and thank you. And these children were having to say, I give my life to you or something to that effect for small mundane things. Um, so it was lost in translation because there literally was not a word for it. Now, I think that when we communicate um, in the same language, even if you don't have uh, you know, your partner's language as your first language or whatever. We don't necessarily have those big things like that where it's lost in translation. But I do think that there are so many things in language, in communicating, especially when you're communicating with somebody that you are in close relation to, that you have a lot of feelings for, that you um, are very vulnerable with, that there are a lot of things that can be lost in translation. Again, you don't know what you don't understand because there are certain things that just don't, they don't translate. Like yeah, we all grow up with different life experiences, different cultures, um, and our preferred methods of communication and how we view how other people do these communication methods. Uh, so I'm just going to go through a few things that I have noticed in my own relationships list that I compiled of different ways in which things may be lost in translation and why and then I'll talk a little bit about like ways that you can reconcile these different translations how can you be communicate better not communicate better but understand better comprehend better um, all right so jumping right into it language <laughs> of course this is you know, the obvious one. Um, but it's not just language like literal different. You have different languages and different things mean different things, but also slang and idioms. But before I go into slang and idioms, I would like to say, this is funny. I, I posted about this um, before on my Twitter, but even the same word has different meanings to different people. This is this is what happened. So my partner um the demon prince is from texas and i am from louisiana we're both southern folks he is a white man i am a black woman now a lot of people may think that yes y'all are different but in some ways you are the same we found out through this that there are very many cultural differences um that we probably didn't even think okay so um, I'm just going to read this text message exchange and y'all at the end of it, you'll see what I mean by you would think that we mean the same thing, that we would know the same thing just based off of, you know, Southern Americans, but we did not. Here we go. He texted, Hey, do we have any Jamaica tea? This is me reading it the way in which I read it in my brain. Hey, do we have any Jamaica tea? Not Jamaica. And then he put the little Jamaican flag after it. I said, I have no idea what 
Jamaica tea is. So, no. And then I said, oh, wait, hibiscus tea? You're talking about sorrel? Now, the re reason I thought this is because I was like, what could he mean for Jamaican tea? Like, the only tea that I can think of that hinted at Jamaican with Caribbean, to me, is sorrel, which I was introduced to when I went to Howard. And then he replies, I looked up sorrel. I don't think so. Jamaica slash hibiscus tea that I like is made from the petals. It's red. It is tart yet sweet. It is delicious. I said, okay, well, I Googled Jamaica tea and it said hibiscus tea and sorrel is hibiscus flowers. So dot, dot, dot. It's super, super red. And he said, well, I just searched sorrel. It just showed me some green leaves, but sorrel tea is different, I guess. Well, we don't have any. We can probably get it at Jumbo International. And I said, and then I said, oh, you know what? I just Googled some more. The use of sorrel to mean hibiscus flowers is apparently only used in the Caribbean. And I said, oh, I just realized that you were saying not Jamaica, the country. You were saying Jamaica because that's the word for hibiscus flowers in Spanish. Now, I am from Louisiana where we learn French. And I don't know no Spanish. Y'all, I know very, very few words in Spanish. So I saw that Jamaica, but not Jamaica, the country. And I was just like. I don't know what this means, but I didn't think to ask the question um, of it at all. And so, yes. And then he was like, oh, my gosh, I love you, tea master. Do you know how it's pronounced in Spanish? It's pronounced Jamaica. And I said, no, I didn't know that. LOL. And then he went to, we ended up not having it anymore because I had used the rest of it to make sorrel. And <laughs> um, then later on. <laughs> he brought the tea from Jumbo International and the tea on it. Please go to my please go to my Twitter and search Jamaica or Sorrel because the, the, the tea bags say Jamaica tea Sorrel and then underneath it it says hibiscus all of it there. So as you can see, there were very many cultural things going on that prevented us from understanding what the other person meant and we had to dig deep to figure out what it meant but it's okay because we do this exercise all the time um so that is a, an example of how you can be speaking the same word and not meaning the same thing or typing at least the same word and not meaning the same thing so it's not just a language thing it's also a cultural thing and that's where slang and idioms come in because there are certain slang and idioms that only are in, for instance, the black community or only are in a certain region of the U.S. And you won't know what this shit means if you weren't there, if you weren't born there, if you didn't grow up like this. And so you will say something and the people will be just looking at you crazy. Now, when it comes to slang and idioms, I think for the most time, most part, people will say, I don't understand unless they feel embarrassed. But if it's somebody that you're close to, I would hope that you would feel empowered to say, I don't understand what that means. Can you tell me? So language, that's one way in which we can be lost in translation. Another thing, body language. So this is a thing that is different between cultures um, and also neurodivergencies. Because, for instance, sometimes I have dated folks who have found it, um, like, not strange, but that 
I wasn't paying attention to them or listening to them or whatever because I don't like direct eye contact. It is very um, strange for me. It is very vulnerable for me. It is very intense for me. I save direct eye contact for folks that I really care about and um, in soft situations. And sometimes I, whenever I'm being very vulnerable and talking, I can't even look like my partner's in the eyes. They know this. Um, but like not having eye contact, some people may think that it means that you're lying or, or you're not invested or whatever, but it doesn't necessarily have to mean that. Um, there's also hugs, handshakes, daps, like, I was at a partner's house. Oh, no, no, no. I was at a metamorph's house with my partner for a thing, a party or something. And it was a bunch of white people there, y'all. Um, and they kind of all knew each other or whatever. And black folks don't just be hugging randoms. Um, if we have met and exchanged nice pleasantries at a party, especially not white randoms, um, at least not in my circles. But yeah, anyways, whether you give a hug or a handshake, where you, whether you dap somebody up, the gestures that you make when you speak, all of these things can be seen as one thing, but not the other, depending on how you're raised in your culture. So we have to keep that in mind that you're trying to read body language, but that ain't it. That ain't it. <laughs> Another thing that can be lost in translation is word connotations. Now this is different from the word meanings, which is what I covered in language, where a word literally has a different meaning than the word that you <laughs> are using because of you know how the people use it um, in that culture or in that region. This is talking about a word that means the same thing, but there's a deeper meaning, a deeper connotation into the word. For instance, one of my metamorphs called my partner an instigator. My partner is black. This metamorph is white. Later on, my partner mentioned the instigator comment to another white friend. And this friend said, oh, yeah, but you are an instigator. But when both of them said this, they meant it in a positive context, a person who gets things moving in a positive way. Now, a lot of times in a black community, an instigator is, it may be a joke or fighting words. And it basically means somebody who is enabling somebody, who is starting a fight, who is not, not a fight fight, y'all, but you know, like you instigated some shit and you being mischievous or you being straight up messy. That's, that's for us. And so, <laughs> as you can imagine, her reaction to it was different than the reaction that the other person was expecting. And that's because there's a deeper connotation, like there's a deeper meaning in the words. The connotation is different based off of how you're raised. And even without the white and black factor, this is just something that I can remember off the top of my head. There are other things that are have more to do with just like your family and the connotation of words in your family. I just thought of another example um, for the word connotations and ways in which they differ depending on family of origin. And that is not too long ago, two people in my life, funnily enough, on the same exact day, uh, wanted to share something with me and they expressed the need 
to not be judged. And because, you know, I'm an honest bitch, I was like, I can't give you that. I'm going to judge you. I tried to further explain in both occasions that, like, whenever I say that, I think that I don't necessarily mean it negatively. It's mostly neutrally where I'm like, "Mm -hmm, girl, okay, but it wouldn't be me type thing. Um, But one person kind of took it that way. They took it as a... I'm going to judge you, but, you know, I'm, a, I'm here for you. And the other person didn't. And I think that was because, and not I think, I know it was because of the difference and what judgment meant for them based off of how they grew up and how they currently are judged. So that is a different topic. Um, I feel like that the judgment topic um because I know that I have differing thoughts on this. And even after I explain my feelings on positive, neutral, and negative judgment that, you know, a lot of people still believe that in relationships, any type of relationships, if you care about somebody, there should be no judgment. And this is just something that, you know, I know that is controversial and that I personally I'm not going to be compatible with some folks in, but I do think it is an example of how a word can have a deep connotation for somebody and not necessarily for somebody else. Another thing that can be lost in translation is social references. Um, Pop culture references, uh, taboos, parables, those types of things. Um, Some of these pop culture references do turn into slang. Um, For instance, by Felicia. Now, this is some slang that has recently been co-opted by non-black folk. Um, And I did have a partner that used it. And I asked him, do you know what this means? And he was like, oh, I don't know. He gave like a generic answer of whenever somebody's bothering you or if it's something stupid or whatever, then you just like buy Felicia to like dismiss them or whatever. And then we watch Friday together because as my partner, if you have not seen Friday, this is a rite of passage that you have to go through. There are many, many black movies and many black exploitation movies that my partners who have not seen them have to watch with me in order to remain my partner. Um, that's a little harsh, but no, it's real. Um, and so after he watched the movie and he understood the full cultural reference around it, he understood like why specifically it was said. Like before he, re- he understood, he understood it. Is kind of, you know, I guess uh, self-explanatory in some ways. Once you've heard it in a context, you use context clues or all of that. But being able to witness it in its original format, what the original person intended it for, for the original audience and all, all of the context around it, you can fully grasp what it means. And I think that there are definitely references like that, um, that if you don't have those, then the person doesn't understand it fully. Like they may be able to parse what it means, but they don't understand the full reference. 
unless they also have that experience that have watched that thing have heard that you know like parable from their folks all of that okay and the last thing that i want to talk about is tone slash volume and this is the tone in which you say things um for instance a lot of folks know this um if i say what you're trying to do in different tones it means something different yeah a lot of languages are tonal languages the way you pronounce something changes the meaning of the word and in certain cultures the same phrase it changes the meaning of the phrase by the way in which you say it and if you aren't raised in that culture you may not know what that phrase means it may seem like an innocuous phrase but if a person says it in a certain way they trying to throw hands they trying to fight or they trying to be sexy or they're just literally asking you how you're doing um and then also volume some folks um were raised in families where it's very loud when they express how joyous they are or they're just passionate about something they get loud they may yell they shout but in other families it may be a bit more quieter and so if you put those two folks together one of them may just begin excited about something and raises their voice and then the other person assumes that the raised voice means that th this person is upset at them or angry at them for something disappointed whatever but that's not what the other person means they're literally just excited or expressing something um and unless you go down deep and talk about these things it can be lost in translation the person is just going to assume oh this person is upset at me what can i do to make them less upset or well they just have to figure that shit out by themselves because i ain't do nothing to make them upset and now they're upset with you for being upset with them for nothing for what they feel like it's nothing or they are like feeling down or um chastised because they feel like you're upset with them and you are literally just chilling as you can tell, I am the loud one. Um, not necessarily in general. I, I think that I am not a loud person in general, but definitely whenever I get excited, my voice goes higher, I, my volume raises, and that's because I'm the middle child of six children and my mother comes from a giant family, huge family. It's always loud. So volume, whenever I'm talking with somebody, doesn't factor in a lot for me unless I'm feeling overwhelmed or overstimulated, in which case I usually withdraw myself from the, the place, like literally go into a different room. So that is a factor. So to reiterate, some things that might factor into you misunderstanding something things that can be lost in translation when you're communicating with somebody that you are in close emotional contact with language such as slang idioms actual word meanings body language which can be the way the gestures the way that you hold your body during the conversation, how you greet, and also 
disembark from conversations depart. Um, and I would like to say this at this point that a lot of these body language things do not take neurodivergence into account. And we should really, really, really note that. Uh, word connotations, where it's the same word but deeper meaning in the word. References, whether that's culture references, pop culture references, uh, parables that are passed down through the ages, uh, taboos, like not putting your purse on the ground. I didn't say that one, but that is definitely a thing. If you put your purse on the ground, your money going to run away from you. Um, and then also your tone and also your volume. So these are things that if you have a different frame of reference for what is normalized for you in these areas, you may need a translator, need translation when you communicate with your friends, your partners, anybody that you're close to. So what are some ways that you can do this? What are some ways that you can translate where you can be the translator, um, where, you know, you can communicate more effectively for comprehension? What are some ways? I think the crux of this is realizing that you own your own message. And part of owning your own message is doing your best to ensure that the other person comprehends your message. Now, although you are responsible for trying to communicate as effectively as you can in the way that the other person can understand, you are not totally responsible for their comprehension of your message. They should also do some work to comprehend the message. They should also ask the questions. But you can be proactive in asking them questions um, and making sure that your message is clarified too. And in order to do that, you have to dig deep to become less defensive, to research, and to have hard conversations. So when I say become less defensive, that is, in my opinion, something that you should be doing anyway, like in life, it is the process of decentering yourself, um, of realizing that you are not the only person, your thoughts, your feelings, your perspective is not the only one. So when you're saying things or somebody's saying something to you, your first reaction to it may not be that person's intent. I would like to caveat this by saying, if somebody steps to you wrong, if somebody says some ism, shit, racism, sexism, transphobic, uh, phobic, ism, shit, or some pushing boundary shit to you, Go off, honey. I'm sorry. I am. I'm, I would like to tell everybody here. This is my disclaimer. I am not a therapist. I'm not a kumbaya woo-woo type. I'm a woo-woo type, but not the kumbaya one. Um, I do believe that sometimes people need to be told off. That sometimes you cannot say things in a nice way. That you can be kind and considerate. 
but you don't always have to be nice. You don't always have to be polite because sometimes people need to be told off. I'm that person. So, yeah. Um, basically, though, I'm saying you should do some work, some self-work to when you have the initial reaction, take a step back. When you feel yourself getting defensive, take a step back and say, this may not be what that person meant. I am not the center of the universe. My perspective is not the only perspective. It's very hard to do this. Very, very hard to do this. But you have to. You have to do this. Um, and I feel like, personally, this is the only way... To be able to have the hard conversations where you're coming back and asking the questions and figuring out the translation. Because how many of you have been in a language class? Basically, in language class, you're learning vocabulary and you're saying, this is what this word means in this language. This is what this word means in this language. This is what this phrase means in this language. Because there are lots of phrases, baby. There are lots of phrases in like French, for instance, <laughs> where you hear it, that direct translation, you like, what the hell? But it makes sense. It makes sense in French because of the culture. Anyway, so the only way that you're able, not the only way, but one of the ways in which you're able to be have this conversation is to step out of yourself to be less defensive. So that's one of them. That's one way to own your own message is to step back and be like, is this the only way that my words can be interpreted? Is this the only way that their words can be interpreted? Two, research. And this is, for me, when I say research, I mean the research of different communication styles and methods. For example, there are spewers versus chewers, where, you know, a spewer is somebody who needs to talk in order to get the shit out. They process externally. They need to talk to you whenever y'all have an issue. They're like, I need to talk about it, and I need to talk about it right now. And I don't feel good until we are finished talking about it right in this moment. And then there are chewers who are more internal processors, where they're like, I need to sit with it. and Take a step back and process internally. You need to research like what that, like why people do that, what that means whenever people do that, what the people in each category needs for themselves. Um, also, like people who communicate directly versus indirectly that, you know, have to, you have to spell it out for them or they're like, I my body language and the way I say it in these flowery words and all of that kind of gets my point across, but like not straight up, direct, blunt, um, like in person versus text research. Like what are different ways in which people communicate and what is the person that I'm communicating with? What is their preferred style? And then you have to have the hard conversations. And the hard conversations are the conversations where you're figuring out how to translate your communication style, your different like cultural factors and phrases and shit into the person that you're going to be having all of these conversations with style as well. The Stanford Graduate School of Business, one of their classes had this really, really cute um, presentation 
about communicating across culturally. And they came out with this little acronym about how to communicate clearly across cultures and with a translator. And their acronym is Stay Lit. <laughs> I love it. I love when people throw some slang into some shit like this. Um, it's like, yeah, we're nerds. We're cool because we are cool. We are cool bitches. So Stay Lit. And Lit stands for L. Listen. Without trying to respond, listen to what the person is saying. I inquire. This is where that research I was talking about comes in. Ask questions. When somebody says a word, be like, what does that word mean to you? Are there any connotations around that word? Hey, you said this. And when you say that, I hear this. This is what it means to me. What does that mean to you? Ask questions. If body language is important, to you or the person has admitted that body language is important to them ask them what does that mean or tell them when you fold your arms like that to me it means this what does that mean to you um somebody told me like the way that i stood sometimes it seemed like i was angry and very standoffish when i have to pee all the time It's just DMI. But I have to pee all the time. And sometimes I want to hold it because I can't be going to the bathroom every 30 minutes. I can, but I don't want to. But I also want to finish the conversation. But I know how long it will, like, I know how long I can last without going to the bathroom. But sometimes I, like, am uncomfortable. Also, with some of the health issues I have, sometimes I just be uncomfortable. And I was like, no, 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 no. If there is something that's bothering me in the conversation that we have, I will verbally say it. But as far as my body language, so many things are going through my head. And also so many pains are going through my body that my body language may be off to you. But that has no bearing on the conversation that we're having right now. So I'm going to need you to not look at my body language at all. Period. Sometimes I need to stand up and walk because my extremities uh, fall asleep or they get stuck in a position. It's really weird. Um, And I can't, like if I don't, if I sit in a position for for too long, I won't be able to bend them or I won't be able to straighten them. And yeah, it's a lot. But like, I did have a lot of people that assume shit. And and before I was able to clearly communicate this too. And and so like we would get in to these little tiffs because they'll be like, well, why are you upset? I'm like, I'm not upset. And they're like, yes, you are. And the thing about me is that when you start telling me what I am, then I get upset. And now it's just a whole cycle of nothing. I'm upset because you are annoying me, but not really for any reason. And you're trying to figure out why I'm upset. And I'm like, it's just you. You, your face at that point. Told y'all, remember what I said about me not being a therapist? Um, I don't do that shit as much now, but I, oh, I was definitely the queen, the queen of it, honey, the queen. All right, and then T is test. This is testing out using the translations that you have figured out and the methods that you have figured out on on the person. Uh, I personally like to write stuff down. I only really remember stuff when it's written down. Maybe you want to do a voice note. Uh, Maybe you, you know, like maybe you can keep it in your head. Maybe you can. Um, I cannot. I can barely do it for one person and I have multiple people that I am close to. So 
regardless of how it is, what you want to do is test out what you have learned with the person in a non, um, a low stakes space. So just like a regular conversation and you say a thing and then you use their word for the thing instead of your own. Or you say a word and say, and what I mean by that is. Um, or you use some of the gestures or the body language that they say is comfortable for for you. Or you keep your body language and then you over you over communicate. Like, hey, um, I'm sitting like this because as a reminder, da 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 da. So basically, what you're doing is you are taking these steps to own your message by basically creating a curriculum between you and the other person of this is what we mean. These, this is our language. This is your language and my language, and we're learning it together. We're learning how to translate each other's shit. And then together, we're creating our own unique language so that we can communicate more effectively with each other. So you can comprehend what it is that I'm trying to tell you. I want to give an example of something that happened to me, a conversation that I had that made me realize that you can communicate something over and over and over again. But it, but if you're not saying it in the way that the other person understands, it means nothing. So I am a schedule queen. I don't mean that I'm the best at scheduling. I mean, I need a schedule. I need the schedule. I need to have it on my calendar. Um, this is not just for partners, sexual partners, you know, like the romantic-ish, whatever, partners. This is for casual friends, deep friends, all of that. Family, even. Because now my younger sister has finally figured out that if she calls me, I'm not going to answer. I answer my mother and I know that if something happens with, with the rest of my family, my mother will be calling me. But I mostly answer when my mama calls me because that's my mother. Um, but for my siblings, I have told them over and over again, if you want to talk to me, text me and say what time you want to be calling me and I will let you know if that time works for me or not. If it's not a scheduled phone call, it ain't happening. I had to put down that boundary with my father very clearly because he tried to tell me I'm your father and so you need to get used to it. And I said, no, you need to get used to the fact that I will not be answering unless I am ready for the call because this is what I need. And also I have a very busy schedule. And because I don't have a regular nine to five job, a lot of things be happening to me at any, at any random time. So schedule the call with me. And if you are a type of person that needs to be more spontaneous or you feel like scheduling a call with you makes you feel like a chore or whatever, then we are just not compatible because I need that scheduled thing. Every once in a while, I can do some impromptu shit. I can get like if somebody calls me or video calls me out of the blue just because they want to. Occasionally, I can answer it. Occasionally, I can be ready for it. I might be laying on the couch and had just finished my alone time. And yes, I'll answer. But in general, if you want to like be with me, if you want to share space with me, whether that's virtually um, or in person, unless you're texting me in which I will, or emailing me in which I will answer you when I can, 
because those are methods in which I can choose whenever I answer to you. I'm not going to answer. Sorry. Anyways, back to the main point of this story. Um, I have I communicate this to everyone. I have it on my manifesto and all of this. Um, I some time ago, this is not a a recent thing. Some time ago, I posted something about you know my partners scheduling a thing with me and me feeling loved and somebody else hit me up and said hey I didn't know that scheduling made you feel loved now for me I was confused I said how did you not know this this is everywhere everybody who knows me who is close to me and this person was very close to me knows that this is a thing about me how did you not know and they said I know it was important to you but I didn't know that it made you feel loved. For me, important slash feeling loved, they're not one and the same, but they are one and the same. Because if somebody says something is important to them, then I'm like, oh, okay, to show that I love them, I will do this thing that is important to them. But for this person, like, they needed to hear that it made you feel loved or it is your love language in order for them to recognize just how deep it went. Just saying that it was important didn't fully like mesh in, in, in their brain of like, this is a thing that she needs. This is a thing that, um, a way in which I can show that I love her. And in that moment, I realized like, wow, that's, that's very interesting that I have put this out in so many ways. I have communicated this in various methods. I communicated it a lot, but I did not communicate it in a way in which they fully comprehended the extent of how much I needed it because I wasn't speaking their language. It was lost in translation. And for me, this is a thing that I want to prevent. I feel like it was an easily preventable thing. I could have said at any point, the reason that this is important for me is that it helps make me feel like you are setting out time for me. That you are taking a break from your busyness to say, I love Na so much. I will carve out intentional time in my day for her. And they could have also been like, oh, well, what makes you, what, what about this is important to you? What does it being a need for you means? Why is it important? How does it make you feel? These are things that we could have both said to each other, but we did not because we both thought we know what important means. Keep it moving. And I think that, Whenever you're in relation with some to somebody, um, deep relation, meaningful relation, you need to be able to communicate. You need to be able to articulate the big things. You need to be able to communicate the reasons why you're together, the things that you need, the things that you want. 
the things that you're compatible in that you're and that you're not compatible in. you need to be able to communicate these and you need to communicate be able to communicate it in ways that both of you comprehend fully what the other person is saying or comprehend to the best of your you know capacity like um i've definitely had times in the past where i have gotten pushback on asking questions because after a certain point in time when I realized that I wasn't fully understanding what people around me were saying because I like clearly <laughs> they meant something different than what I meant just based off of actions that happened and then further conversation, I would start asking why or what, what does that mean to you? Hey, you use this word. What does that mean to you? Why did you use that word instead of this word? I would have used this word. So for me, this is a word that I would use and what it means to me. And for you, you would use this word and what it means to you. And I got pushback on that because it. Uh, some people said that it felt like I was being unnecessarily um, hostile or confrontational. I wasn't, that wasn't my intent. The intent was not to be confrontational or anything, but it really was to figure out like, how can we communicate better how can I understand what it is that you're trying to say? That you're trying to say with your words or that you're trying to say with your body? Um, and I do think that projections, I didn't say this at the beginning, but projections are uh, something that definitely happens with the six things that I said at the beginning that are factors in getting things lost in translation because you you just automatically assume this is my perspective this is my life experience this is my lived experience this is the anecdotal evidence that i have that points to this is what this means every time and so because i'm in my own head i'm automatically going to assume what i see is what is actually happening that's my truth but your truth isn't necessarily what is actually out there what is actually happening is definitely not what the other person is experiencing and the only way to know what the other person is experiencing is to talk to them to comprehend where <laughs> they stand where their perspective is being in their shoes and i think i guess i'm saying that that's that is the bigger piece of communication the best way to communicate effectively is to be able to put yourself in the other person's shoes so that you can understand what they're trying to say and then how they are interpreting what you are saying. And of course, in like certain situations, work situations, casual situations, just transactional situations where you're at the store or whatever, you ain't got to know all of this. But for person, people that you're in close relation to, yes, you want to know all this. You want to know all of this. Um, so again... I'm going to reiterate the the ways that I outlined just now, right before my ramble, of how to translate your message or another person's message into something that you can both comprehend. And in my opinion, the pre-work for those steps is digging deep to become less defensive, researching different communication styles and methods and then having those hard conversations and we have those hard conversations stay lit listen without trying to respond 
inquire, ask questions, what something means for them, and then test, write down what those translations are for your person and test out using those translations and those methods that you researched that is specific to them on them. All right, well, I think that's all that I have for this specific topic. For you guys, I feel like there's so much more that we can talk about, that we can go deep, deep into this because I I feel like communication and trying to translate what folks mean when they say certain things is something I can talk about, I love talking about, and that anybody can talk about for hours. Um, but instead, I'm going to have a little bonus video on my Patreon, um, and this is a video, it, this is a question that came from somebody in my Facebook group that said, I would love to hear tips for regulating when one is the I need to talk things out person in order to feel settled, but you're trying to honor the needs of the partner who might need space to feel calm enough to talk, or even honor your own needs to be calmer before continuing the conversation. But how do you get calmer without more conversation? So that is something. It's going to be a little tiny bonus video um, on my Patreon sometime this week. Um, and next full episode, we're going to go back to what I said we're going to talk about in our last full episode. Y'all remember the compatibility episode and I said next episode we're going to talk about how to determine if you are compatible with somebody in these different ways and what happens when they overlap in one way but not the other how do you negotiate a relationship where you meet each other where you are are you transition when things change and compatibilities may veer off course well I needed some more time to research that so that will be the next full episode. In the meantime, um, next Wednesday for our mini-sode, we're going to talk about relationship podcasts. And I'm going to talk about the relationship podcasts that I listen to, why they inspired me, good or bad, to create my own podcast from my unique perspective. And also, I would like for y'all to pay attention to my socials if you do not follow me on any social media please do um there are updates there whenever i can't make an episode or it's going to be late i post it there also i am starting in february am starting some new ventures some events my discord is going to be up soon i will be doing instagram lives regularly uh with a very very wonderful organization and i will also be putting together a book club and all of that i will have more information about that on the mini sold and if you follow my socials you will also get all the updates about all the shit that i am up to and other ways that you can connect with me and connect with other listeners until then that's that on that This episode was recorded, edited, all that shit by me, D-Ray. Full transcript can be found on this episode's page at sunnydpod.com. 
theme song by Calpen Creations. You can find me on my Facebook page, Sunny D, at facebook.com slash Sunny D Minks, and join my for the free Facebook discussion group link to it, Sunny D Pod. You can find my Instagram at Sunny D Pod, my TikTok at Sunny D Minks, and my ratchet ass Twitter at Lil Wild Minks. You can also support me on Patreon where you can be a part of my private Discord rooms, book discussions, and get some other little goodies I cooked up for y'all. You can find that at patreon.com slash sunnydpod. Thanks, folks. Stay foxy, y'all.